0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of, you thought I was going to say something like, Stupid Questions. So yes, this is the Stupid Questions podcast. Today, we are going to be talking with Miguel Maddox. Uh, He just finished his first year as a professional triathlete, finished 31st in the world when it came to the 70.3 Worlds in Lahti, Finland. Um, He is also the founder, along with Jenna, of the Freestyle Tri YouTube channel and guest community. Um... And stuff like that. So today we're just going to talk to him um, and hear his story. He has a lot of cool things to share. So without further ado, Miguel Maddox. But yeah, dude, thank you so much uh, for jumping on. Super nice to meet you. I think there's a little bit of a delay, but uh, we'll work through it. Um, but would love to just first hear who is Miguel Maddox?
1: <laughs> um, that's a stupid question. Um, no, I'm just Yeah. Kidding. <laughs> uh um who am I? Uh well, I'm a professional triathlete um and a content creator. That's kind of my uh my day-to-day who I am these days. Um I mm-hmm. grew up in Northern California, um Marin County. It's a beautiful area just north of San Francisco. Um and from an early age was exposed to, you know, a lot of the nature and activities that we have come to appreciate in our older ages, but, um, not when I was a kid, uh, I was swimming in a pool growing up. So I guess the younger Miguel Maddox was, a was a pool swimmer, um, competitively for 20 years. Um, did that through high school, through college. Um, and, you know, started a career in marketing shortly after that. Um, shortly after I graduated from college and basically was thirsty for something competitive again. Um, I finished my competitive swimming career on a, on a really high note and was just kind of like left, you know, left wanting more, um, which I didn't have at the time. So, you know, about six months to a year passed and I, uh, I got involved with triathlon, um, through a a friend of a friend who turned out to be my, my first coach in the sport. And, um, and that, uh, carried me through to where I am today. Um, so there's, uh, you know, there's, there's the high level where, where I'm from, who I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. So where are you like living right now? And I think you actually did say where you grew up and I apologize. I'm asking it again.
1: Yeah. Well I live I currently live where I grew up. Um so Marin County, okay. uh Northern California, Bay Area. Okay. Um and it's the perfect place to uh, you know, do what we do to to train year round. We don't really have severe winters, although it is pretty chilly today, but like chilly for us yeah. is like forty five to fifty degrees. So um, you know, it's yeah. uh it's a great place to be doing what I do.
0: Yeah, is that the current degrees outside? Is it like fifty? Yeah,
1: it's about 50 right now. And that's as cold as our days get here.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I know. Tough life. Tough, tough, tough. So tell me about
1: siblings. Do you have them? I do. Um, I have one older brother. He's five years older. Um, We've had... I mean, he lives in San Francisco, so it's super close, 15 minutes away. Um, We've always been extremely close. And uh, he's in a lot of ways kind of like paved the way to you know becoming who i am um he was also a swimmer growing up he was also into you know a little bit of filmmaking and and like documentary filmmaking which is a program that i participated in in high school um five years after him um i remember he in high school his senior year he broke the 500 freestyle school record and he was oh, wow. super jazzed about it. He'd finally done it. He had been looking at that record for a while, <clears throat> and then I yeah. came in the next year as a freshman and beat it. So that that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but zero hard feelings <laughs> between us. Um, yeah. There's never been any animosity on how things have played out in our lives. We're different people, but sure. um, and have a, you know a fantastic relationship. But um, you know, there's that context in my life of like having the older brother and being kind of like the guiding light to test the waters of things that I'm interested in before yeah. I actually go in and do yeah. them. So it's uh I'm yeah, very fortunate to have things. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's super
0: neat. Uh so what is he doing right now? Where's he at?
1: He's uh working in tech. Um, you know, again, super close by. But uh yeah. yeah he he does some things that I would not venture in. Like he's one of the guys out here in northern california that belongs to a swimming club that you know they swim in the bay um and for people that don't really understand what that means the bay here never gets warm it tops out at 60 degrees and through the winter it gets down to like 48 degrees which is just like like that is just friggin' it's it's crunchy (laughs) it's it hurts um it's pins and needles in your body every time you get in but he's one of the guys out here that jumps in there without a wetsuit, um which I am All year round? All year round. Yeah. Him, my dad, oh my. uh, my brother's fiance, they, they do it uh no wetsuit, which is crazy, but How to many each their people own I guess. Have
0: died. <laughs> yeah. How many
1: people have died doing that craziness? Enough to make you it any? just legitimately dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten hypothermic is he... out here. <laughs> Yeah, is he, like, the type to j-
0: get a squirrel suit and let's, let's make this thing happen, be six inches off the face of a cliff? Is he, like, a, just an adrenaline junkie?
1: No, he's not. He th- He's, like, a very chill, chill dude. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> literally, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's something that we have here in the Bay Area that, like, if you've kind of, like, grown up close to it, you you, Mm -hmm. um, you experiment with it. Um, like I was pretty good at swimming out there in my, in my youth, um, when I had a little more body fat and, um, and now I'm just, I'm just a weenie, but, uh, (laughs) you're just too shredded. Like, Oh, poor you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are guys that have like no body fat that do that. Like my brother is one of them. He is not a big dude, but somehow you just get used to it
0: yeah acclimation he remind, I don't know if you're familiar with Wim Hof but he reminds me of one of those types like gonna go Same hike up deal. Everest with just my shorts on yeah
1: yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because like to your point asking about like are they adrenaline junkies it's like they aren't if you meet them you would never expect them to, to be like these hardcore people that jump in the freezing cold day. um but yeah you know they do it <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, super interesting. So tell
1: me, when were you first introduced to oatmeal? I was introduced to oatmeal. I mean, I didn't grow up around oatmeal. We weren't a big oatmeal household. Um, so that mm-hmm. was, uh, that came later. I think it was during, you know, the height of the pandemic when Jenna and I, I I should back up to the content part of my life is... Uh, I run a YouTube channel with my fiance Jenna. Um the channel is called Jenna and Miguel Freestyle Try. Um which and, we learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh had to get that in there. Um but we started that YouTube channel in in the pandemic days so like 2020 but when we were um we were kind of just like bopping around the country because we both terminated our leases in New York just to get out of the city. Um we were basically just like nomads for a while. Um, and I think that led to like, you know, <laughs> people were like baking bread, right? Like people started new hobbies. We started a YouTube channel. We started to like get creative with our food and and our cooking and everything. So, yeah. um, you know, we started, uh, making oatmeal before our big days, before our big days of training, called it big day oats. Um, and, uh, you know, patent still pending, but, you know, we're, we're hoping to blow that up, make it something someday.
0: Like actually, is this like a specific <laughs> recipe
1: for the banger oatmeal? I think the idea of Big Day Oats is to don't stop with the oatmeal. Like a lot of people stop with just like, let me pour myself a bowl of oats and eat it. No, no, no. You should make your oatmeal, put some chia, flax, uh, you know, banana, peanut butter, other nuts, like any, anything that you have in your pantry really to a certain extent is allowed in your oatmeal and is encouraged. So, um, I think that's what Big Day Oats really is. Um, so yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if I may, uh, my wife introduced me to making oatmeal the right way, or I would consider the right way because growing up, it was like you said, the quick oats, Mm -hmm. boil it and put it all in at the same time. And then, you know, you throw in a little brown sugar and stuff and it's like, it's like just nasty looking cafeteria food. So I married my wife and she introduced me to this way of cooking oatmeal, which I would like to briefly go through with you and just get your professional opinion on if it could be improved. Is that Okay.
1: Yeah, well, I'm no professional, but um, I'm you know more of a critic, so this is good. Bring it on. Okay,
0: okay, so here we go. So I always do a half cup of oats, depending on the day, but it's most of the time half cup of oats. So I put in just over, I fill up one half cup, put it in the water, then like a third of that half cup, put it in. Dash a little salt, put it on the burner, usually fire, let it come to a boil. As soon as it's like almost to a boil, I dump in the oats, then turn it on low, spread the oats around, and then you basically let the water cook down until it's like it's almost to the bottom to where you don't want it to burn, but it's like the water is just enough and it's gone where there's a little bit of liquid. So then I take it, I put it into a bowl. I take at least two tablespoons of peanut butter, if not three, and it's hot enough to where like I take half of it, I put it on the peanut butter, it melts it. It's like natural peanut butter, so it melts it. You stir it around. Then I have chopped up apples, diced, and sliced in half banana, and then sliced again. Put that in there with some walnuts, and then it varies. Sometimes strawberries, whatever's cheap at the market, blueberries, um, usually flax seed, honey, and that's usually more or less it. So is that the right way to make oatmeal, according that's, to you? Do you have that's a you right
1: way to make oatmeal. I love the extra peanut butter. <laughs> you, you, sh- <laughs> you shouldn't skimp on your nut butter. That's a vital part. Um, the berries the fresh berries is great uh one of one suggestion that i i have if you may um is to uh you know throw something cold on there too like we will use like frozen berries we'll top it with some frozen berries Uh, and that that contrast of like hot oatmeal with like something frozen that is melting within the heat or like some yogurt too Mm. out of the fridge yeah um yeah. It's a nice contrast. Uh, maybe some Joker. granola too for the Joker. for the hard crunch. Um, but you have that with apples. Yeah, 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 so yeah, that's yeah. a good crunch. So, you know.
0: Yeah. So I feel the Birthman idea, because I talked to my wife about this. A restaurant circled just around. Like it's got a wall of cereals and granolas, and and specializes in all things oats, oats, me- oatmeal, and granola, and like you go on different kinds of crazy milks. Shall we start this? So we can call it the Freestyle Kitchen, or the what do you call it? The Big Oats, Big Day Oats, <laughs> something?
1: Big Day Oats, Big Day Oats. Um, no, we're Jenna and I were That's talking about restaurant. having something like this at uh, at our wedding. Um, we're probably going to have either a. An ice cream bar with every topping you can imagine, or you know, an oatmeal bar, or both. You know, like the toppings yeah. are similar, so you could you could do both.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick, sweet. Well, we'll I'm turning into business a restaurant. License, I'll, I'll call you guys up. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so going back a little bit, uh, you say on your website that your parents are quote wildly athletic. Who are you more like, your mom or your dad?
1: i'd probably say my mom um she's always had this personality of not necessarily thinking through physical challenges until she's in them yeah um so I, i think like for example um she last year uh the last like decade i guess she's been battling some pretty severe arthritis in both of her knees and she had to get double knee replacements in december of last year um and pretty much like shortly after like shortly after she signed up for um this event uh well a, a triathlon um in Lake Tahoe, which is at elevation, it's at six thousand feet. It was a sprint triathlon, but she basically signed up for that um, before the knee replacements even happened. I don't know if she physically signed up, but she was like, "I'm doing this," um, you know. And she's a physical therapist, so she knows her, she knows the human anatomy very well. She knows what recovery is going to look like, but um, she doesn't think those things through. She's just like, "Let me sign up for this stuff. Let me just go do it," and you get to the race yes. and it's, it's kind of like, Oh, like we're here. I'm really nervous. Are my knees going to be able to last? I haven't run <laughs> in 15 years, like just <laughs> things like that.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: so, you know, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, she's an athlete though. So she she's confident she can do that, do these things. Um, but I yeah. think I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, it's, uh, this year was a jump for me from age group to professional triathlon. And, I haven't really succeeded. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I have not really like, you know, been like blowing everyone out of the water in the age group field. Like there are some fast age groupers out there, but like there is, uh, you know, there wasn't too much to like go on in terms of like, Oh, I'm going to succeed at being a professional. Um, but for me, it was important to not overthink it and to just kind of do it and, and take it yeah. as like a, let's see what happens kind of thing. Um, but that's, yeah. uh, that's definitely <laughs> what, what my mom has been like in, in the realm of sports her entire life. And she was, uh, yeah. she was a fantastic runner in in her day. And she did, uh, she did Kona in 1989. Um, so she was, you know, one oh, of the wow. OG triathletes and everything. So yeah. yeah, legit.
0: Yeah. That's a cool point, a, a cool point of influence and inspiration for sure. And just for everyone listening, uh don't want to let Miguel get off the the record too easily. But you did Worlds, and I believe you finished, correct me if I'm wrong, 31st in the World, and then you did it in only, like, 15 minutes behind the leader with a time of 348. For us mere mortals, that's, like, really, really flipping fast and a lot faster than a lot of age groupers. So I can't let you get by with making it sound like you were just, like, <laughs> back of the everything,
1: you know? Right, I'm right. I'm sure you now, wanted more, but... Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I cannot be disappointed with how I did this year. It was just the the yeah. improvements that I made this year in triathlon were the biggest I've ever made in the sport, including like the first couple years of yeah. doing the sport. I just had a breakthrough year and it didn't take, um, it didn't take me until, you know, racing professionals to make that happen. Um, not sure what the reasoning yeah. was. Um, I think like a lot of support. The bar from, raced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, racing helps like being competitive. Um, I'm, I'm a competitive person having, you know, support from new sponsors and, uh, and just having encouragement both from like family and, and Jenna and friends and, and everyone that's kind of like, been like, you, you can do this. Like you got this, um, has helped me get to where I am for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you're pro you're doing the freestyle try stuff. You're doing sponsor contracts. They're obviously super busy training, what has your life looked like transferring from like, let's just go even right before the pandemic started and you started freestyle try? It seems like your free time has probably exponentially decreased and your time demands have exponentially increased. Is that accurate and how are you managing that?
1: Um Yeah, I yes and no. Um, you know, when when we started the YouTube channel, um, like I had a full-time job. Um so Regardless of how I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about this sport is like well, it's not that beautiful, but there's not a lot of money in it, right? So like most people, professional or not, have to do something else and have to fill their their yeah. time up not training with other things, um, just to make yeah. it sustainable. Um so I think at the at the beginning of this journey, it was um the time demands were were just different. Um, it was like, I have to report to my employer and get my work done. And when that job ended, it was like, okay, well, let me, uh, let me fill up this time with, um, with making more videos, making more content, reaching out to potential sponsors, like, you know, growing this business. Um, so there's, it kind of goes in, in waves, I guess, is like, you know, uh, every opportunity I can get to like not have as much work day to day and like replace that work with a nap yeah. in the middle of the day is super valuable. So, yeah. you know, once I try to figure out how to do that, it seems like something else comes up and it's like, Oh, no time to nap anymore. Like you, you're under contract to get to fulfill these other obligations. And, um, so, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it, it, there are stressful times for sure, but it, it's, it, like I said, it's one of the cool things. It's like it's no more stressful than what other pros are doing, what other uh, age group athletes are doing. It's like we're all kind of doing a similar journey.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I want to ask a little bit of a selfish question um, for the sponsor side of thing. Because you, you know, you started the YouTube channel, and obviously your influence on Instagram, and the other social medias, has grown, and then you know, exposure with what you've been doing with. I guess EMJ in the background before, and then working triathlete, all of these different things. Um, my specific question around that growth has been what has the dynamic been like in the change from the very beginning when you're, like you said, reaching out to sponsors in the beginning? What was your rejection rate? And then, like mm-hmm. now, today, like you're obviously more popular and I think still going to continue to grow. You probably have a little bit more leverage now. Like, what did that look like in the beginning and then to what it
1: is now? yeah um rejection rate was super high at first for sure um i i think like the biggest the the most important thing i did with with my career in terms of like sponsorships and growing my brand was being on team emj for a couple years granted it was during the time where you know racing wasn't happening the two years that i was on the team the the team camps got canceled. And for people that don't yep. know what team EMJ is, um, they're a huge, mostly amateur team. Um, you'll see their, their racers at every age, basically getting on the podium. Um, it's, uh, every man, Jack, yeah. every man, Jack. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but it's a, it's an amazing program. It offers athletes the opportunity to kind of like be partially sponsored and be a part of a team. Um, you know mm-hmm. it, and uh and help you grow in the sport and for me I I used it as a way to get better have more affordable gear and also to give myself a you know a, a reputation of like being somebody that doesn't just kind of like fall into the the general realm of triathletes so it's like I'm I'm part of this kind of like elite team and getting recognized mm-hmm. when I show up to races having other people to talk to and um, to start building connections, like you know, it's uh, it's a cool way of like getting in touch with different brands that like you have instant credibility. Um, yeah. So when I left, on. <laughs> when I was um, when I was uh, you know, starting the YouTube channel with Everyman Jack, um, there were a couple opportunities that were separate from EMJ, um. So once that started to happen, it it didn't fully make sense for me to be on the team anymore because it's like, I want to chase these other opportunities. um, So I'm going to be kind of building my own thing with Jenna. Um, It's a guy's only team too. So like Jenna (laughs) wasn't benefiting from it as much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, but but still that... um, you know because building these relationships with brands and going off after sponsors it's all about credibility like it, you can't it's very hard to be a nobody and reach out to a brand and get a reaction or, or get a response even um so you know coming from a credible team uh, working already with brands um gave us an opportunity to like reach out to other brands with something in your back pocket and Um, having that at the start has kind of carried through to today. And like, obviously, yeah, the dynamic has definitely shifted. We get reached out to now by different brands. And like, we have sponsors that we work really well with that are introducing us to other brands, which is, you know, the Holy grail, like you're no longer doing the outreach, but it's like someone that is on the other side of this is like, Hey, these guys are amazing to work with. Um, you should work with them too. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like figuring out where. Uh, to start building that credibility um, is is key, and then obviously like being consistent with content is what we've always been good at. Um, so I mean, it's it's a balancing act because all of the the sponsorship stuff, outreach obligations that takes time, as well as making yeah. content.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a lot going on there. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So yeah. I want to go back a little bit. Um, to your parents how did they or do they influence i guess did influence your upbringing and direction in your life outside of sports
1: i think first and foremost was just the the idea of just togetherness and family um you know they mm-hmm. we were the family that you know sat at the dinner table together for every meal um I, like growing up i was always jealous of my friends that would be like, oh, like I'm just gonna go eat dinner on my own, or like, do you wanna go like grab a quick bite and then we'll go do something? And I was like, mm. Man, that freedom sounds amazing. But like now looking back mm. on it, it's like I'm so fortunate that I was in a family that was yeah, that-, that valued that time together. You know, it was like without exception, we yeah. have to eat dinner together. Um so you know, I, I think <laughs> you know, you can you can draw you can make these, uh, connections to sport, like you, with anything, but, um,
0: sure. you know,
1: having that kind of togetherness and family ideals, uh, growing up has like helped me, um, cherish that in doing what I do today. It's like, I understand just as well as anybody that you can't do this sport alone. You need positive reinforcement. You need other people in your corner to be helping you and encouraging you. Um, but beyond that you need to find you know joy and value in life outside of your day to day and for me that that is like connecting with other people um whether it's with Jenna or just the community that we're building like we we seek connection in that kind of like close intimate way um so yeah i think that that's that's the biggest thing um just being yeah. driven towards like family values and togetherness.
0: Yeah. It's a rare thing these days, so that's really neat to hear they grew up with it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So who is responsible, uh, you think for the most influence of your life other than your parents?
1: Who? Um I would say, well, you know, my brother who we've talked about, but outside of family, um, and kind of like my upbringing, it would probably be my, uh, my swim coaches and swim team. I'm going to kind of group that into one because everyone, like the, the coaches that I had on my club swimming team through the end of middle school and through high school, um, were, like those coaches were extremely wise (laughs) they um it it wasn't a kind of team where you would show up and you just like all right let's get in the pool and swim a million yards it was like let's go into the classroom first and talk about like migrating geese for an hour because there's a lesson to be learned from that um so it was like (laughs) yeah it was i like specific i don't remember what the takeaway was but i do remember a presentation they gave literally with a powerpoint and everything um, about migrating geese. And I think it was like, they're, they're, you know, flocking nature and like how if one is behind, then they wait up for that one. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I could be totally wrong, but something like that. Um, but that was the kind of environment. Yeah. That was the kind of environment that was created. Um, and I think, you know, being analytical and being like thoughtful about what I'm doing has never left me that's always been a huge part i'm not the kind of person that like wakes up looks at the workouts that i have and then i just like go mindlessly do them i'm like how is this going to help me what can i take away from this workout um so i I think like and beyond that like the the things that i do outside of sport like on you know making youtube videos it's like how can I tell a really meaningful story? Like how can I just avoid dumping out garbage into the world? And, you know, I'm sorry, some people Mm. might think we dump out garbage, but, um, that's okay. But I, uh, you know, make an effort to like create content that is, you know, hopefully a little more meaningful, hopefully not just like, look at me train, but like something that people can take away and possibly like feel better about because, you know, we're, we're trying to be real and tell a story. Um, So I I think kind of like that thoughtfulness, um, as it related to swimming at the time has kind of like carried into other aspects of my life. And I, I literally still swim with these coaches. Like they coach the master's team that I go to at least once a week. Um, so I get to see them and, and they've remained kind of like key mentors in my life. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and if anyone's curious in the Bay area, this is, I'm talking about North Bay aquatics. That's the youth team that's the master's team but the the coaches have never failed to like keep that kind of thoughtfulness approach in mind
0: yeah for sure so i also read that you were quickly introduced to the quote power and natural beauty of mother nature so what is it about nature or mother nature that inspires you talk to me about that power you're talking about
1: yeah well i'm glad you uh clarified you you corrected yourself it's mother nature and she can help you she can destroy you um but the key is you have to respect her um you know i i think that has come again from my family growing up like we, we were the type of family that instead of going on classy trips to Europe or whatever. We would just be like, all right, we're going to go hiking in the Sierras for a week. You know, that was our family vacation when I was 13. um, Well, when my brother was 13, my parents decided it would be a good idea to have this new tradition of Maddox initiation by uh, climbing to the top of Mount Whitney, which is the top of the continental U S it's a mountain here in in California. um, Higher than any other peak in Colorado. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, I, how many thousands of feet is that? I think it's at like close to fifteen thousand. It's just under fifteen thousand. Um, but it's the type of altitude that you go up there, no yep. matter what your age is, and uh, you're 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 not breathing. <laughs> um, so yeah, fourteen thousand five hundred feet. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Um, so my brother did it when he was thirteen, and it's a day hike. You you start at the base and you climb to the top in one day and then you hike back down. Um, yeah, all in one day. And, uh, so when I was 13, it was the same deal. It was like, all right, kid, we're going to the top of Mount Whitney. This is how you're going to become a Maddox. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think, uh, it was, and I, I got very sick at the top. I remember there's like, we were gathering around to take a family photo, like on the, on the peak. And, um, I was like, mm. guys, hold on one second, and then I just turned, vomited, and it's was like, all right, vomited. ready for the picture, um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so you know, I think uh, it, it's it's such a weird relationship that I, I mean, I think a lot of people have with Mother Nature. It's like I love her; she's beautiful. She can give me so much, but she can also like kick the shit out of me. Um, and you know, I I think like try it sounds like weird but like you can harness that power and you can make the most of it like you know i've always considered Mm. myself good in uh crappy race day conditions um and i've kind of figured that out over the last few years that like man when it's really hot and miserable and everybody's melting that's when i get excited to perform and that's when i generally do like the best in uh in in these races um and it's the same thing in training when it's like cold and rainy outside I'm, I'm like almost more not excited but it's like i almost feel like i'm in a movie and the intensity kind of kicks up to 11 and you're just like yeah you you it's just a feeling that that i feel really powerful and so um you know when when mother nature like gets a little intense and kind of like wants to fight a little bit it's uh You know, it's, it's something that I think you can use and you can use to your advantage. Um, but you know, I think that that's all been a part of my, my childhood and just like going and being in it and understanding what it is and, uh, um, sorry, who she is and, and, uh, (laughs) just soaking it in.
0: Yeah, so it seems like there's almost like some religious undertones with this. Is were you raised in like a religious mm-hmm. or spiritual emphasis type of household, or is it like was it
1: not that way? Um, my church was uh, going to the beach on Sundays, <laughs> so okay. not in the the formal religious sense, but um, sure. definitely like the the spiritual undertones. Like my mom is like such a hippie that way. She like loves talking yeah. about Mother Nature. She loves talking about like how her church is the beach and everything. So, yeah. um, you know that that's for sure been there. Um, so I guess yeah, the the church of Mother Nature is is who we are. Church of Sand, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I I lived in the Philippines uh, for a year during college uh, as part of the university we went to. They give you an option to like, you can go study abroad for a year if you want. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do this. Or you can go be a student missionary for a year. I did the student missions route and went to the Philippines. And I took up surfing for the first time because we lived on the North Big Island. And uh, during Christmas time, it it was super great. I got to get my had beat in quite a bit by mother nature uh, yeah. but i remember meeting this guy from australia and i you know because i was there as a missionary so i was like hey like what are you into you know tell mm-hmm. me about what you or your religion is what what not and he was like he put his arms out and he said this is my religion and he talked all about the waves and like how she moves you and feels and stuff. i thought that was super interesting perspective just to especially around the energy aspect because the ocean is such a crazy of a beast i mean i've been on some small yeah. vessels before and felt storms and you know obviously oh, if you get pulled under by a massive wave there's just you you're not fighting it you got to go with it and to find your way back to the top eventually and it's yeah it's just super interesting it reminded me of what you're
1: what yeah you said. for sure and yeah that idea of like it, it there's no greater energy in the world than like the world itself and the energy that that's mm-hmm. like and And that, I guess that's kind of what I was saying. It's like when you're in it and when you're trying to do something like athletic in our example is like there are, you know, there are ways to like harness that energy and to make you like a little more powerful on that day. Um, uh, You're, you're reminding me of a book. I don't know if you've read it or anyone out there has read it, but barbarian days, I forget the whole title, but it's um, okay it's it's a surfing book but it it's way more than that (laughs) it's it's about what we're talking about and kind of that um yeah it's it's about someone's journey to kind of like becoming who they are coming of age type of story um yeah the vehicle is surfing but it's it's a pretty like spiritual amazing read good book
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah i'll have to maybe check it out link it I, um, it actually reminded me of another book I read um, back when I was in college. I started this business in the textile industry, and so I looked up to Yvon Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, quite a bit, and he wrote a book called Let My People Go Surfing, and the whole premise was work, um, but don't let like work define you. If the if the surf's up, then go get it and you know, kind of live life around that. I'm oversimplifying, but it reminded me of that book
1: as well. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like how companies are doing more of like innovative companies. You're seeing more of that approach, like, you know, the enjoy enjoying life method. Um, it just yeah. leads to more general yeah, happiness. Sure. I think we're understanding enough about how we operate that like you're going to become burned out and depressed if you don't have if you exactly. literally work nine to five every day. <laughs> it's just not. Stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. No, it's not at all. And I think it's migrating a little bit more toward like the. I have experienced this in, in a very small detail, but the European way of living around how you relate work to family and, you know, and, and, free time and stuff like that. Like it's, it's very much not go work yourself to death. It depends on the country, obviously I think, but the ones I'm thinking of like more of like Denmark and things like that. Um, and even during the pandemic, it's been interesting to see I've always worked for myself. So I never really experienced the nine to five that much mm-hmm. like corporate America. But a lot of my friends have come out of that world and are working for themselves And it's just changed our economy in such a wild way um, from the influencer economy, but just working remotely, it's been really interesting to see how that's shifted and how it will continue to shift, I think, in the next 10, 15 years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably going to be like an overcorrection at some point, like, you know, with so many people going off and working for themselves, like what I did, I left corporate America and I'm working for myself now, but I think it's... um, it's positive right now, but yeah, I'm curious to see like what that overcorrection is going to be and what downfalls there are going to be from it. But I think in general, it's it's definitely yeah. a huge positive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, especially on the Bay. I've heard of some of the bigger tech companies like, okay, now you got to come into work two days a week. Okay, now it's yeah. three days a week again, and you're trying to shift it back. Yeah. It's starting to shift back. For the yeah. shareholders.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make them happy.
0: Yeah. Um, so in college obviously we talked about you were a swimmer and you took the helm as the team captain. And I read that you uh, brought them or led them to the best conference finish to your school in history uh, with all kinds of school records. So what was it like with that experience and how did that change or mold you into like, I guess kind of the man you are today and influence your leadership style, drive, motivation, things like that?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, the, the biggest thing is most people think swimming is an individual sport and just like people think triathlon is an individual sport. Um, Mm -hmm. we, you know, we are, uh, what's the word? Like we, we evolved from tribes, like humans evolved from tribes. We, we, we operate in communities. Um, we do not operate well on our Mm -hmm. own. We need other people. We need support. We need to support others, um, to make our, you know, that, that's how we do things well. Um, So I think for me, I learned that lesson in a very real sense, um, in my college swimming days, uh, my junior year at Fordham, um, which is smaller, uh, liberal arts school in New York, division one swim program. But, um, my junior year, uh, an incident happened on campus with the swim team, you know, late night party whatever but basically the entire senior class and some juniors um all got uh like half of them got expelled from the team or expelled from the school all of them got kicked off the team so we had to finish off my junior year basically like with nothing (laughs) it was the most depressing season ever um we finished last by hundreds of points like we showed up to conference with like not enough people we were on the brink of like being just like we can't have a men's swim team anymore Um, so that's how we finished off the junior year, just in a full state of like nothing and depression. And, uh, yeah. And then I was kind of forced into a captain role at, at that point, but it was like, who cares at that point? But it was kind of my responsibility. Um, we, we did not have a good coach either. It was a coach that really was there, had, had a great tenure and stuff, but really just didn't care anymore. Um, so I felt like it was my responsibility as well as the other remaining juniors that were becoming seniors. Like we have to at least make this an enjoyable experience. And we have a whole class of freshmen coming in that don't know what's going on. And we have to make sure like they're not falling into this, like, you know, perpetual state of like depression that we were in. Um, so, you know, we, uh, it, it was a challenge, but we basically had to convince the whole team that like, we're going to do something special next year. Um, Yeah. And that only is, is done when you have like, you know, when you have other people bought in, it can't just be one voice. So, you know, what we did is we, we got this new class of freshmen that were not exposed to this, uh, to all the, the bad shit that had happened the year before. And we almost looked at them for leadership. Like it was my idea to like see this brand new freshman class that was ready and excited to swim in a division one swim program to have them, Mm. you know, to harness that energy and kind of spread that enthusiasm through the whole team. And, um, you know, we didn't lie to them. We didn't tell, we told them what had happened the year before. Uh, yeah, but, um, they, they did an incredible job of like bringing everybody up and bringing kind of this young fresh spirit into the team. And it brought everyone together. Um, and it brought everyone closer and we, we did things outside of swimming that were, you know, healthy, that were not like drinking related, that were safe and, um, just did our best to like bring everyone really close together. Um, so those two things, like, you know, trying to lead that like togetherness initiative and then also like harnessing this energy from a young group of people, um, just made everyone better. It made everyone show up on time, ready to do the work and ready to enjoy doing the work together. Um, but it, uh, you know, yeah, it it led to literally the most successful year that Fordham has ever had in men's swimming. Um, you know, we set a bunch of school records. I, you know, the biggest point of pride was that everybody who went to conference that year, because you can only bring 20 people, everyone who went to conference Mm -hmm. that year, PR'd in something and for a college swim team to be able to do that <laughs> like to have a hundred percent especially in on division it, one I feel like that's like for even more you just yeah it's um it was special yeah and and it's like not everyone and I think everybody scored points at conference everybody contributed and it was just like you know we um we beat a team um in a dual meet that we had never beat the men's swim program had never beaten uh i think it was umass if i'm remembering correctly it was the last meet of the season but it was mm. like there were just things like that that just like continued to drive this like um this belief that we weren't what we were last year and it was like small steps obviously mm. but once we accomplished one small thing yeah. together it was like we can do this next Momentum. thing we can do this next thing and it just kept going
0: One of my wisest friends always says to me, you know, especially when I'm going through a hard time, he's like, never waste a good crisis. And it (laughs) just sounds like you guys were able to band together. That's really neat. Because when I think of like collegiate sports, I I didn't, I mean, I did, I didn't really do collegiate sports at any level, (laughs) really. But I have like kind of this idea from high school stuff that I did. It's like when I played soccer and JV in high school the upperclassmen were always just kind of, like, looking down on the little JV team, and, like, they were just kind of, like, I don't know, a mean older brother type of situation. But right. to hear that you guys shifted it to, like, bring inspiration from the freshmen, um, first of all, that must have made them feel, like... Very like oh I need to be responsible. This little thumbs up thing I don't understand this <laughs> with Riverside. It keeps like throwing this little like thumbs up thing. <laughs> it's know, something it's new. Funny. I gotta figure that out. <laughs> anyway, gotta let's see if it keeps doing it. It's so interesting. Okay. Anyway, if you're not watching a video, you're probably confused. But it's interesting that you guys shifted it. Must have made the the freshmen feel like a sense of responsibility. But also I can only imagine. There it is. Again. I can only imagine like how um, inspired or excited they must have felt and felt like a part of something. I don't know if that's not always the case in collegiate sports, but it seems like a very counterintuitive to how things typically operate way that you would operate something. So, I hope that they kept that mentality throughout and now that you're gone and you know you're beyond that. It's just such a it's such a neat story.
1: Yeah, no, it it you're right. It, it was like such a cool opportunity I think for them. I mean, they have, like, they, we still keep, I I keep in touch with some of them and they like, you know, through their journey of the latter three years of their, of their careers there, it was like, man, you like, really, that was the coolest year, but like, also thank you for what you did and everything. But like, I think, um, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, it. I mean, I'm thinking about, yeah, like, when I was a freshman, when I'm, like, new to something, like, how how cool is it when other people that have been doing it for a while look at you and they're like, how like, teach me how to do that. Teach me, like, how you're so energetic. Yeah. Teach me, like, how you're swimming that fast in a dual meet and um, all those things. So I think... Uh, you know, and it's not like we're putting them ahead of everybody. Like it, it just, it, even yeah. the playing field it, and they had something yeah. that we didn't have and we had something that they didn't have. So again, it, it like back to the, the whole like evolving from tribes, that's how it operates. Like you, you don't have yeah. all the answers and you don't have all the energy that you, you can, you need to, to sustain yourself. So it's like, you look to others. What do do others have that I don't? (laughs) And then triathlon, that's so key, you know, because there's so much going on. You can't do everything alone.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it is a team sport. I'm being convinced of that more and more, especially as I have these interviews. It's been really interesting. So speaking of the community aspect, um, in your little community within Freestyle Tri, I guess I'm referring to you and Jenna, like, how did you meet? When and how did you meet? And how does she fit into this whole story of Freestyle try and your passion turned profession.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Jenna also grew up in Northern California across the bay. Um, she grew up in Orinda, so like, you know, th- half an hour from where we are today. Um, and she was also a swimmer. And ironically, we never met. <laughs> we probably went to like hundreds of the same swim meets and probably bumped yeah, just, into each yeah, other across. in the warm up pool a million times, but like we never we didn't know who each other were um until we were both living in new york we were both living in brooklyn we met at a small community rec pool um three lanes no one knew how to swim except for us and we were like yeah hey, you know how to swim nice. you know how to swim <laughs> um so that's where our Let's relationship began yeah exactly um and uh, she had a boyfriend for the first two years of us knowing each other. So I patiently waited, oh, waited it out. Um, yeah, but it, it worked out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the wait was worth it. Um, but uh, yeah, I and she initiated everything that Freestyle Try is today. Um, you know, because when we were going through the pandemic days together, um she was working for a company which she still is working for called Hungry Root. and she's the photo and video manager um, at that company. And at the time, she was lower level, so she was literally taking pictures of food and she was styling food and trying to, you know, make yeah. thing, make food look pretty on camera. Um, literally. And yeah, that was her job and the, you know there wasn't much of a creative outlet when it comes to doing that stuff, like it was something new that she was learning. Mm-hmm. But after that, it was kind of like, you know, um, there's a system and a protocol to it and you do it and you wrap it up. Yeah. The, the best part about that job is we got like continuous meals delivered to her wherever we were in the country during the pandemic. So that was pretty fun. Um, I would That's get off awesome. the bike and have this yeah. fully styled meal waiting for me. Um, but oh, man, for <laughs> yeah. you, tough life. <laughs> um, but you know because of that kind of like uh you know she was a little starved for creativity she was like i want to start making a video every day um and we got a drone and that contributed to like us filming stuff and filming our training and everything and uh it it wasn't a video a day but it turned into you know freestyle try it turned into us like making youtube videos for ourselves and being goofy on camera and filming our swimming, biking and running and eating and whatever else. Um, so, you know, that, that whole start of the business was driven by her. Um, and then I started to have more time at my job as I started to like quietly quit and started to do all the editing and, uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of cool looking back on those days because it was like, it, a lot of it is the same a lot of it is just like us trying to figure out like how to be goofy on camera so that others can kind of like find it entertaining um but it's um yeah yeah
0: Yeah, it seems awesome so how long have you guys been dating
1: um we've been dating since october of 2019 yeah okay i guess yeah okay so like Something like that. August, four years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Got to get my month. Okay, right. nice. August. So you just passed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Just passed up on four years. So, do you have a plan to uh, continue and like move toward marriage, or are you guys just like we're gonna keep it kind of how it is and keep moving forward?
1: Yeah, we. Well, we got engaged in December of last year. Um, so that was. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah that that was our our step towards being married. I suppose. Um, our marriage is going to. Yeah. Be... <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty small and quiet though. Um, yeah, but nice. yeah. Yeah.
0: Congratulations, man. That's a huge step. I mean, that's like, Thank yeah. You. Um, are you going to be, are things going to change? Like, are you guys currently living together or are you going to like get a new place or what's the, what's that look yeah, like?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're nothing. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, but it's like you get engaged, but it's like, Nothing changed. And then you get married. I mean, we haven't gotten yeah. married yet, but we, we expect like, okay, we're just gonna yeah. keep living our lives. But um
0: Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's yeah.
1: it's about the meaning behind it, obviously. Like you're committing to someone for the rest yeah. of your life. So um that was yeah. that was uh written on so many metaphorical and like business paper, like literal business papers that were in this together. <laughs> like we we share a business fifty fifty yeah, yeah, yeah. together, but also like there's yeah. no one in this world that we would even think about living with besides each other. So it was, it was time yeah. and, uh, happy we were doing it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I, um, have talked with a few other people on the podcast who are in a relationship with someone who is not in the sport and then also is in the sport. Regardless, there's always an interesting dynamic. If it's two athletes, like you're, battling a little bit on like, okay, I'm going to go train now. Do I train with you? Do I not? And then if the person's not involved, it's like, this is taking a lot of time from our relationship. How are we both okay with this? And how do you, how do we do that for you and Jenna? Has that ever been like a point of dare say contention that you had to like really sit down and think about and commit certain things to, or like mindsets about like, has that ever been something you had to talk about?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, with triathlon it's always been like non-stop support there's never been like you know a battle in any way a battle for time a battle for resources um it's never been like you have to go on a ride with me or else from either of us although sometimes she might think that she's like like i will not do this ride without company and stuff like that but um it's never yeah it's never been like that between us um you know we it, it, oddly enough like probably bond over at this point like other things in our life that like you know i I think it's probably because so much of our life is public now like especially Mm. as it relates to triathlon and the sport that like you know the the evenings that we have together watching like stupid reality tv is like the stuff that we we spend the most time with each other doing um so I mm-hmm. think like our relationship has kind of evolved into like you know we're we're bonding more over things that happen off the camera that are that are not public yeah. because it's like you know I think you know you, yeah. you know you're you're in an intimate relationship you want things to be intimate with <laughs> with your significant other you don't want yeah, yeah, to be public sure. so yeah yeah for sure yeah um it's kind of yeah. how it's transformed I guess Yeah for sure so that seems
0: like that maybe a little bit of the motivation like of small wedding just like keep it intimate type of thing
1: totally and our engagement was the same way it was like no cameras nothing it was just us yeah so yeah Yeah. i mean we've good for you man it's something we haven't like consciously like we need to find time off the camera but it's just like that's just Mm -hmm. kind of like how we've you know evolved it's just like finding those moments off the camera that we can we can enjoy together Mm.
0: Yeah, scarcity creates value one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, scarcity sure. creates
1: value. The other thing you said that I'm going to remember okay. that I'm already forgetting. Oh yeah, never let a good crisis go to waste. You know. Oh, I can't. I wish
0: things. I could coin that one, man. Oh, it's my good friend. But yeah, it's so true. Okay. Like, there's so much growth to be happen. Totally. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. Um. So I want to ask you about working triathlete. Um. This is a team, I guess, um, and coaching group, how did you get involved? How is that currently going now? How does that fit into this whole mix?
1: Yeah. I mean, working triathlete is how I got started in the sport. And for anyone that's wondering how they can get involved in triathlon, like that is the best place to start. Um, I, my first job out of college, uh, you know, one of my best friends, co-workers, you know, he, he was like, he came back from christmas one year and he's like hey man like my cousin is a triathlon coach and i want to do an ironman you want to do it with me and this is a guy that like finds yeah. a new hobby every week and i'm like sure sure man let's like go do an ironman introduce me to your cousin let's get started so we uh we yeah. get on a call with his cousin and we get the first week of training and everything and we 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 go do it a week later um, and this guy is like, ah, I'm kind of burned out from triathlon. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like well, all right, well, cool. Nice. But like, thanks for the coach. <laughs> um, so yeah. the, the coach I'm referring to is Conrad. Um, he's the founder of working triathlete. Um, and at the time yeah. I was like, you know, his eighth athlete or something like that. Um, working triathlete now holds like 450 500 athletes um not all of them are so many yeah it's like i i think how many like six coaches now um yeah but it's uh you know every resource you can possibly imagine for triathlon from like the total beginner i've never put my foot in a running shoe kind of level to like Mm -hmm. i'm trying to go pro with this sport like they they have it all um but beyond those resources it's just an extremely positive community and that community that pillar of like yeah. community has never left from like when it was 10 people to 450 people. Um you go to races and you meet up and and everybody is like sharing this bond um that not a lot of other teams in triathlon have. Like there are some huge teams out there that are doing amazing things, but it's like there's not that like level of like kind of deep connection like we're together in this. Um that working triathlete has um so you know it's uh it's an amazing program um, I'm happy to be like not only just a participant but like someone who feels like that it, that has seen it and like helped it grow to where it is today um yeah so yeah it's uh it's an amazing thing it's really cool,
0: yeah, yeah, that's super neat. So I had the opportunity to get to interview Conrad and Derek too a little bit um and I actually need to ask a question because you can inform my ignorance conrad founded it is derek technically a co-founder or not
1: yeah i i guess i wouldn't know how to i, I think derek is I need, co-founder he I was him, um with uh he had a team that was also based yeah, in nashville tennessee called milestone racing yeah. and then like a year and a half two years ago they were like why are we competing for the market let's just become one um, yeah. So I guess that makes them technically co founders. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, but they just stuck with the name that Conrad had. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Sweet. Sweet. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. We'll make sure to mm-hmm. link them as well. Yeah. Um, so, a couple more questions. Um, first question What is your greatest adventure to date and how did it formulate?
1: Oh, greatest adventure to date. Um I mean it's uh well yeah I I was thinking of one thing but then I'm like no 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 okay well it was the pandemic it was when um everything went to shit I was living in New York in my Brooklyn apartment and uh mm-hmm. but I guess it was like right before things went to shit um Jenna called me basically in tears and she was like something's about to go down my brother told me, who just came back from a trip to Asia, like, this is all going to go really wrong in just a few days, and um, we need to get out of here. And I was like, you're overreacting. Why, why are you crying? Why are you trying to pull Dude. me out of here and stuff? And wow. um, And I said no, and uh, she called me again, and she was like, we really have to get out of here. We I'm leaving. You're, you're coming with me. Like, you can't argue. So... She plucked me from my apartment and we went to an Airbnb in the Poconos and with her, with her older brother and, uh, with a borrowed truck from their uncle. (laughs) And, um, And, you know, literally a day later, it was like, everything is shut down. No one's allowed to go anywhere. Like, you can't enter or leave New York anymore. Um, Crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone remembers, like, that day for them. And it was was wild. But we had gotten out. And literally the next six months of our lives, we spent, you know, like a month in the Poconos. We... Found this Airbnb in very rural eastern Tennessee on top of a mountain, dude. We're welcome to my
0: neighborhood. (laughs) Where are where are you? I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But I'm about to yeah, all around yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, yeah. We were in Butler, Tennessee, in like Watauga Lake, Watauga area. Um, Middle of nowhere. Yeah, middle of nowhere, and uh, we spent like two months there until it, you know, the season started to change from, like, perfect spring weather to, like, hot, muggy summer. And then we went up to Vermont and found an Airbnb there. And, wow. and then um, right before that in Tennessee, I was like, I should probably get a car. So I bought a car in Tennessee, and so we weren't just borrowing the, the uncle's truck anymore. Um, then after Vermont, we were like, we should go back to California, and we drove across the country Making stops in South Dakota, making stops in, um, in, uh, why am I blanking? The border of Montana and Idaho, um, like where uh, the Tetons are, like in in that area, yeah. um, Boise area. Yep. Yeah. Basically just like finding little spots that we can get an Airbnb and like do amazing, like outdoor adventures and train. I guess it wasn't training at the time. There was nothing to be training for, but just yeah. like, being active and really enjoying like yeah just enjoying life (laughs) while like all of this was going on and being so uncertain of what the future was but like we didn't we weren't thinking about that we were just thinking about like how do we make the most of the situation we're in right now um and it led to like the greatest adventure of my life of the life that I live with Jenna and it was like you know, just, uh, we were fortunate enough to be in a situation in life to like actually make that happen. I mean, people have families, yep. people have kids and, you know, jobs that, well, I guess jobs were kind of ambiguous at the time. <laughs> it was like everyone's remote at the time. But, yeah, um, for sure. But, uh, you know, responsibilities that were, that didn't allow for them to do things like that. But we, um, you know, we we actively made the most of that situation, and it was, um, you know, it's still looking back on it. I, I'll like wake up in the morning, like dreaming of like waking up in on top of a mountain in in rural Tennessee, and being like, that was just the best time.
0: <laughs> yeah, anytime you want to come back, man. My in laws have a a place up in uh, it's called Jellico. It's right on the Kentucky Tennessee border, at like the Cumberland Plateau. And if things ever go to junk again, I can tell you exactly. I've got a map planned out. If we needed to walk there, I know how to get to the Cumberland Trail and we'll walk all the trail system all the way to their house, basically. So check it out. Gorgeous place. If you ever want to come, little.
1: Yeah, dude. Hit me up, man. (laughs) I mean, Chattanooga is like one of the best places. Like, um jenna did chattanooga this past year and i didn't race there wasn't a men's pro field but i was just out there training and i was like like holding like a week long two week long training camp out here would just be so much fun like i'm 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 jealous Uh, about like all the spots you have out there it's it's pretty incredible
0: Yeah, man. And like, so I live 30 minutes outside of Chattanooga. And from my house, I can get in this pretty epic, like four hour ride where I ride to the it takes about an hour and a half to get to the base of this place called Four Mountain. And then it's got like a serious five mile climb. So you can climb up and then go up into the mountains and turn around and come back wherever you want. And it's just like, yeah, I want to move somewhere else a lot. But the more I talk to more people on this podcast and hear talk about this area, and I'm like, well, I guess it's not that bad. Maybe I don't need to move yet. I don't know. We'll (laughs) see but yeah it is a every area. every
1: winter you're probably like maybe i should move <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it gets kind of gross it's like doesn't snow that much it's not pretty and it's just like a cold and super like humid wet yeah it's not great writing yeah. and stuff yeah. but you make it work i guess that's totally. yeah it's not california So, um, thanks for answering that question. That's super interesting to hear that story. Um, I think the pandemic changed so many people's lives, and it sounds like you came out on top. I'm really happy you got outside of New York, like because I remember I was actually selling stuff because I did work in China, um, and so I knew it was coming. Kind of how Jenna did, because a lot of my friends were like, "Hey, like, are you guys okay?" Like these manufacturers and are asking me, like, "I think it's going to get bad there. If you need help with whatever, let me know." And long story short, I ended up selling tens of thousands of units of like different types of PPE to local hospitals and dentist offices, just because there was that crazy thing that happened. It was a weird, wow. a weird 10 months in my life. Yeah, it was yeah. so crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So one final question, and then I'll let you go. Uh, it has to be a stupid question. So the lead in may be a little lengthy, but here we go. Donald Trump, was fined $10,000 recently for violating a gag order, as you may have heard, in your hometown, well, not hometown, but of New York, uh, civil court fraud trial against him after he appeared to allude to the judge's clerk when speaking to the reporters, yada, yada. It's the second fine that he's been hit with over the order in the last week, which leads to me to the question, what do you think about Donald's hair and spray tan?
1: It is the worst thing I've ever seen. I can leave it at that, right? Like, it's just, it's the worst.
0: So Donald Trump knocks on your door right now. He's like, Miguel, I need you to lead my new thing for my next presidency around triathlon. What are you going to say to him?
1: I'll say no, but uh, it's, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's not against you, uh, sir. It's just the hair and the spray tan. Yeah, the hair and the spray tan. The first
0: you could be the first federally funded triathlete. Think about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: not worth Money it. you could it's just print it all day long. Yeah. No, no, no. Not at yeah, all. It, yeah. I don't. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would be a good teammate.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably <any> not. <laughs> He'd probably win everything. It would be amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: good deal, man. Well, Miguel, thank you so much for jumping on and let me dig into your life a little bit and hear your story. Uh, at some point, we'd love to have Jonah on, but we wish all the best to you guys as you continue to grow freestyle try. and looking forward to seeing your next second year, pro year, um, and how everything goes. But yeah, man,
1: it's been fun. Seth, uh, thank you so much. It's been great.
0: This episode is brought to you by The Rudy Project. Thank you so much to Mike Bunting and the team at The Rudy Project for sponsoring today's episode. If you want to receive 35% off everything that is Rudy Project, from helmets to sunglasses to gear please check out the show description notes and you will find a link where you can set up an ambassador account to get, that's right, 35% off everything. Also, we have a newsletter uh, that is on the website, stupidquestions.show. If you sign up for that newsletter and give us a follow on Instagram, it's just our stupid questions podcast. Anyway, I'll link it in the the notes. Um, If you follow us and sign up for the newsletter, you will be entered for a drawing that we will be uh, doing for some Rudy Project gear. There are shirts, there are hats, there is water bottles, there are sunglasses, uh, a number of different things. So if you want to be entered into that drawing, again, please go follow us on Instagram and sign up for the newsletter at stupidquestions.show. That is the website. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Stupid Questions podcast. Huge shout out to miguel maddox for coming on and sharing some of his story um he's obviously quite the orator it was great to hear him just kind of walk through the different things that he's gone through from swimming in his background to moving all the way through to becoming a professional triathlete with freestyle tri meeting jenna getting married soon um all these other things so just so awesome to have him on the podcast thank you miguel if you made it to this point in the podcast just want to say thank you if you're watching on youtube or instagram or excuse me youtube then like, comment, subscribe, please. Those does really do help us grow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any of those, please rate the podcast. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can actually ask us questions through there, so check that out. Um, yeah, and if you want to sign up for our newsletter, you can do that at the stupidquestionspodcast.show Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or ideas of how we could do things better, please let us know or let me know. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you in the next one.